Hey, y'all. Have you ever heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? Well, if you haven't, you have now. Let me tell you. This is a horror anthology podcast, and it is absolutely amazing. They have characters. They have actors. They have different people doing voiceovers. It is so ridiculously dope. Y'all got to check this out. Um... I'm, I'm like, I'm enthralled. I'm, I I can't stop listening to it. This shit is crazy. And I got to tell you, all the actors are, they're straight, they're queer, they're black, they're of color, they're male, they're female, they're they, thems, they, thems. They just, this thing is so diverse, man. And, and there's, there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire. So this is a big deal. Y'all got to check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you love this podcast, I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However... The way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. Please feel free to pick 99 cents. I, I I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care. Hey, y'all, it's your fam, Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, coming to you live from my humble, humble, most of humblest abode of books during this pandemic paradise. So, I want to play something for y'all, and then I want to talk about it. Now, this is my man. I've been just in strong like with the entire lifespan of Will Smith. I've liked him ever since he was a rapper. I've been a fan. Uh, when, when The Fresh Prince started, I was one of the first people to watch it. Couldn't wait for it to start. There was just something about him that brought light and love to the atmosphere. Even his hip-hop, man. When hip-hop got real gangster and dirty, he just stepped off. He was like, I'm not going to do this. He's always been a man of, of character, of sincerity, and of authenticity. So on TikTok, he, he, um, he took some questions and gave some um, interesting answers. And I want your input. I'd like you to hear it. Who expressed that you let them down. Um, I'm going to play that from the beginning. What would you say to the people who looked up to you before the slap or people who expressed that you let them down? Um, so there's two things. One, um, disappointing people is my central trauma. Um, I hate when I let people down. 
Um, so it, it hurts. Uh, it hurts me psychologically and emotionally to know I didn't live up to uh, people's image and impression of me. And the work I'm trying to do is I am deeply remorseful and I'm trying to be remorseful without being ashamed of myself, right? I'm a human and I made a mistake and I'm trying not to think of myself as a piece of shit. Um, so I would say to those people, I know it was confusing. I know it was shocking. Um, but I, I promise you, I am uh, deeply devoted and committed to putting light and love and joy into the world. And, you know, if you, if you hang on, I promise we'll be able to be friends again. Wow. Now, let me say something. Um, I am 52 years old. And since the first public apology that I don't even know when I heard it, this has to be the most believable, most sincere amends I have ever heard in my entire life. Like, ever. Ever, ever, ever. Entire life ever. Like, this was just my heart. Like, like, I, like I teared up. You know what I mean? Because you haven't seen the video yet. But if you go to TikTok and see the video, you could tell he is so uncomfortable because he's so vulnerable. And his face is sincere. He's dead ass, straight into the camera. No script. Like, he's, he's answering the questions as they come up. So he wasn't prepared for the answer. And let me tell you, Will, if you ever hear this, my man, you are one of the most golden people I have ever known. Now, as far as the slap itself, he, Will Smith says, there is no part of me that thinks what I did was right. And okay, I, I, um, I understand that. And I understand how anger and trauma can take over. You know, the amygdala boy, the amygdala got hands, y'all. The amygdala got hands. That shit will make a decision for you in point blank period kind of time. You know what I'm saying? So like, I admire him for not only saying, yo, my bad, but he emphasized there is no part of me that thought this was okay, that thinks right now that this was okay. I let people down and that is a trauma for me to disappoint people, to let them down. And his promise that, that we're still going to be friends, like if you just hang on while this whole working project is happening, I promise you'll be proud of me again. And I was like, God, and, and, and let's face it, contrary to what the public believes, I don't think Will Smith owes me a damn thing. I really don't. I don't think Will Smith owes me an apology at all. Um, was I surprised? Yeah, because he's always been quote unquote nice, nonviolent, peaceful. And for him to come out of his face like that, I was like, damn. And I'll tell you right now, for me, I felt like it was necessary. I felt like he needed to come up out that shell. He needed to let motherfuckers know. Fuck around and find out. 
I'm sorry it had to happen at the award ceremony. I'm sorry it had to happen in his fly-ass outfit. Um, I'm sorry it had to happen by hurting Chris Rock's mom, by humiliating Chris Rock, you know, by making everybody in the audience uncomfortable. Um, Quest Love, his, his award was coming up right after that. And Quest, you can see it on his face. He didn't know what to say. And, and it even ruined, you know, Will's own experience of accepting an award. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it, it definitely put a damper on the night for a lot of people. However, I'm, I'm sorry that other people feel entitled to some sort of an apology. But I just feel like the cameras and the other people just happen to be there. But this was between him and Chris. And I feel like, yeah, everybody had to be witness to it. But, you know, I, I think that there was another lesson in this. I don't think what Will Smith was, I don't think what Will Smith did was right. And I think people needed to realize that you can't say just anything you want to fucking say just because you're at an award ceremony, just because there's cameras in your face. You can't just, you know, fly off at the mouth and think, no, ain't nobody going to do nothing because the cameras are here. Well, guess what? Watch out what you say. Watch out what you say at the award ceremony. Watch what you say while the cameras are there. Watch what you say while people are giggling and, and clapping and applauding. Because the massage noir that Chris has taken an opportunity to capitalize on time and time again, focus on Jada Pinkett Smith, this was his just desserts. I'm sorry it had to be Will Smith who did it. I, I wish it was like, you know, Whoopi Goldberg or some shit. You know what I'm saying? I wish it was somebody that people were like, yeah, well, Whoopi be like that. You know, like if this shit was Jay-Z, if this shit was Khaled, if it was DJ Khaled and DJ Khaled walked up on that stage and smacked the shit out of Chris and said, we the best slappers, it'd have been a wrap. Wouldn't nobody be talking about it. Khaled wouldn't be apologizing to nobody. Everybody should have been like, everybody would have been like, Chris, you know you fucked up, right? <laughs> but like, Will Smith is this iconic, peaceful, love and light type person who's always got a positive message. So when he lost it, everybody's like, oh, Will. Oh, Will. Guess what? Will's a fucking human being. And I love what he said. I'm trying to apologize. I'm trying to make amends. I'm trying to, you know, admit to my faults. I'm trying to fix my mistakes without being ashamed of myself. And there's some people out here to be like, you should be ashamed of yourself. No, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. I'll tell you why. There's a big difference between guilt and shame. He feels guilty and that's beautiful. That means he has a conscience. But guilt is, I feel bad because I stole something, right? He feels bad because he slapped Chris at this award ceremony. Shame is, I feel bad because I am a thief, because I am something wrong, because I am a brute. And he's not. He's clearly not. This was some kind of fluke of all flukes. So, like, just shout out to Will, man. Like, bro, everything you've given this world, I ain't even thinking about the slap. I'm not. I'm not even thinking about it no more. I forgot all about that shit. Let me tell you what this man did. He took three entire months in utter silence until he knew exactly what to do next. And I admire that. It takes so much 
someone told me a long time ago, feeling stuck is a lack of a decision. And if you don't know what to do, do nothing. And I love that that's exactly how he handled the situation. You know, um, he tried to reach out to Chris. Chris was not ready to talk because Chris's butt hurt. Because Chris doesn't want to admit that he played a fucking part in this. And he doesn't want to have to go on camera and tell the world the way he treated Jada Pinkett Smith was fucked up. And don't give me the shit about, oh, he's a comedian. Come on. Take it out of, don't take it out of context. Shut up. Just stop. Stop. Rape jokes aren't funny. Right? Okay. Pedophile jokes aren't funny. Right? Okay. Sometimes there's some racist jokes out there that just, look. I get when some comedians, you know, like to compare race and it gets a little giggly. But for the most part, that's just a powder keg of an issue and it's just not funny. All right? Police brutality, not funny. Making a black woman going through a medical situation, the butt of your joke is not funny. It just wasn't funny. And he took the opportunity to zero in on on Jada Pinkett Smith and her situation, knowing good and goddamn well about the situation. He knew. He knew he was dead wrong for saying that shit. But he doesn't want to have to talk to Will because then he's going to have to admit that what he did to Jada was wrong. And that is what I find fucked up. He was quick within 24 hours to do a show and make jokes about it. But he still hasn't had the decency to knock on the Smith's door, sit at that damn red table if he has to, and confront this whole situation. And this is why I love Will Smith. He didn't have to apologize. Let's, 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 let's get the record straight. He did not have to apologize. That man took his beating from the award ceremony. He got a $35 million contract for his next movie. His life is moving the fuck on, okay? However, being the man that he is, being the human being that he is, the human doing that he does, he still said, you know what? Nobody's making me do this, but I'm going to sit down on TikTok with all 72 million of my followers, and I'm going to take questions. God, that's amazing. Like, he still had 72 million followers. Will Smith hasn't lost shit when it comes to material, when it comes to reputation, but he wants to make this better. Sincerely, earnestly wants to make this better. And that's a very rare human being. Which brings me into something else I want to talk about, which is... Healing and trauma, of course. And the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the misunderstandings, I don't think that's the word I, I wanted, but um, the misunderstandings about what that actually takes. You know, um, a lot of people think that healing from trauma is linear. Kind of like, okay, you get a cut, all right, you scrape your knee, you have to play ground, whatever, you slide and slide, you miss, you fall, you hit your knee, bang, ah, ma, you know, ma comes over, she puts a little kiss on it, ah, uh, does that feel better, baby, no, she blows on it, the shit feels all uncomfortable, whatever, so like, you sit on the bench for a little bit, it stops bleeding, and then like, eventually you go home, mom goes home, she puts peroxide on it, sometimes, I mean, if you're in the projects, they, they be using the rubbing alcohol, that shit, ah, uh, that shit hurts, but peroxide, <laughs> <clears throat> some neosporin and a band-aid 
And over a couple days, you know, the scab feels like soft and gushy and you take the band-aid off and you let it harden. And then the cut heals. And then sometimes you have a little scar, sometimes you don't. It's linear. The, the cut doesn't just spontaneously start bleeding again. The, the band-aid doesn't all of a sudden grow a mouth and start chewing through your flesh. The, nothing else happens. Healing from trauma is not that simple. It's not linear. It's like a fucking abstract design. And it goes in circles and, and it goes in figure eights and it, it stops in certain places and it skips and sometimes it vanishes and comes back and sometimes you're all the way back at the beginning and you don't know how you got there. I have found myself more times than I care to admit with years and years clean in recovery only to find myself smoking crack again, only to find myself shooting crystal meth again because I didn't heal completely. I didn't do the work I needed to do. And it doesn't matter the pattern. Staying clean for me, right? Be, keeping, staying sober, staying clean for me. There, there's work that needs to be done so that my brain will stop trying to convince itself that the only way that I can avoid feeling these negative feelings and reliving this trauma in my brain is by using drugs and alcohol. I have to completely confront my past, I have to completely, completely resolve what I've been through. I want to be at a place like Will Smith when he says, there is no part of me that thinks that's okay. Because for me, there are still parts of me that think using drugs and drinking is okay. There are still parts of me that while I'm clean and sober, I'm like, I have unrealistic expectations Here's the thing, when I choose, and I do mean choose, when I choose to be a nice or spiritual or friendly or giving or charitable person, I have unrealistic expectations about how that shit's going to go. This is for real. I think to myself, oh, I'm going to do this nice thing. They're going to think I'm a great person. And maybe sometime in the future when I need, they'll do that same shit for me. Nah, son, that's not how to, that's not how life works. That's not how humanity be sometimes. Like you do this really nice thing and then maybe like, yo, thanks, peace. And they're like, yeah, we'll go out next week. I'll call you. And then they never call. I have to be okay with the good things I've done because I like doing good things. When I got clean the first time I was a teenager. And people were talking about, well, the only way to stay clean is to understand rather than be understood, is to live in love, not in fear, is to do the next next right thing, is to always do the right thing, always be honest, always be open-minded, always be willing. And that shit can get exhausting. It is an uphill battle to stay that spiritual 24-7. It is hard work. Now, mind you, I was 16 with a mother in prison, a dad with the virus, a brother that just died. Two other siblings that had the virus. And I'm homeless. When I got clean, I thought this was the dumbest thing I had ever done in my life. Everybody else was like, I'm so proud of you. And in my head, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, the only reason why I'm giving up dope is because everybody around me thinks I should give up dope. That's how I felt at 16. This shit was helping me. I felt like drugs was the only thing keeping me from my suicidal tendencies. Like drugs kept me alive long enough 
to find recovery and find healing. But at the moment I got clean, I had pressure from my school, pressure from the Division of Youth and Family Services. I had pressure from, you know, people around me, whatever. Uh, I eventually got a foster mom and she, you know, wanted me to live right. But I couldn't see the justification for it because I grew up around dope fiends and drunks my whole entire life. That was normal to me. So why should I give up my way of life for everybody else? And it took me a while to finally understand I was giving it up for me because the drugs would have eventually killed me or landed me in prison or landed me in an asylum with half my brain gone. So... It it took me a couple of years to find that gratitude. But at around 10 years clean, when my relationship to my son's mother was just completely falling apart, she had cheated, Um, she was lying about a bunch of shit, and we argued about work and time together, and like things were just going crazy. And I was getting resentful, you know, like, fuck, I'm clean, I come home. I go to work. I do everything I got to do. I love my children. I love my stepdaughter and my son. I love you. Like, I'm paying bills. Like, why are you fucking like this? And that was the unrealistic expectations I had. And then my very next thought was, as if I was only clean 10 hours. My very next thought after 10 years clean was, see, this is why you should have never got clean. Fuck all this shit. And there was my trauma. I don't trust the world around me to support me and give me what I need because the world I grew up in could not support me or give me what I need. And in that fear, in that self-centered fear of not having my needs met, I ran back to drugs within two years and started using again. I let my son down. I let my stepdaughter down. I let my mother down, who was still alive at that time and eventually had gotten out of prison. For the first time in my mother's life, she saw me drunk. And I think she saw what the trauma did to me. And and it was hard. It was, it was hard. And eventually within a couple of years, I had gotten clean again before my mother died. And um, my mom got to see me clean, you know. And then when my mom took her life, my unrealistic expectations happened again. I really told myself, shit like this shouldn't happen if you're doing all the right things. How could there be a God that after going through all this work to heal my trauma, you allow my mother to take her life? And I lost all spirituality. Um, and I just felt... Tired. When my mom died, understand, I was 33. When my dad died, I was 20, I want to say 24 when my dad died, maybe 25. And the ironic thing was my dad died on the 3rd of September. And if you're black, you know what that means. Um, That song was all about him. But at this point in my life, right, I am 52 years old and I am more aware of human behavior now more than ever before in my life. Especially I'm self-aware of, of, of my own behaviors and patterns and thoughts and rituals and, and so forth and so on. 
I don't want to be a person that lets other people down either. And I still have enough trauma that has to heal to where there are days I don't give a fuck if I let other people down at that moment. Later on, I'll be like, damn, I really shouldn't have did that. But at the moment, I'm like, fuck it. And I just, I want to be where Will is. I really do. I want to be where Will is, where he's at a place where he could just confront all of his shit and work through it and admit it and be like, yo, if you're still mad at me, I understand you have every right to feel that way. Whereas me, I'm still spiritually immature because I'm like, what you mad about? What I eat don't make you shit. Shut the fuck up. But he's like, nah, I don't want to hurt anyone. And in my heart of hearts, I feel that. But I would be lying to your face if I said I'm the same way. <laughs> I would be lying to your face. I think the way Will Smith is, is the paragon, is, is the, the, um, the epitome of healing and doing the right thing. Doing the next right thing and doing the right thing for the right reasons. He's not apologizing to save his career. Like I said, his career is intact. He's not apologizing to keep from losing money. Will's wealthy. He's fine. He's set. If he lost all of this money tomorrow, both his children are making enough money to support his ass. He is set for life. You hear me? So, like, he didn't have to do this. Chris don't want to hear about it anyway. He don't want to talk about it. So, like, you know, the only reason why he would do this is to make himself a better version of himself. He's reaching out to the higher self he knows of today. And God, I want to be there. I want to be there so bad. I want to be at a place to where I see my higher self and I start interacting with it and living my best life. And I guess that's why I've been talking to these specialists and I'm going on Tuesday morning. Uh, I'll be away most likely for five weeks. <laughs> to um, deal with my depression and with my trauma. Um, it's going to be intense therapy. There's probably going to be a lot of tears and there's going to be no phones, goddamn no laptops. That means no writing, no TikTok, no nothing. And I'm just going to deal with me. It sounds like a goddamn monastery. I'm so nervous, y'all. Five weeks without a phone or a laptop? Like, as much as I'd like to think that I don't have much of an ego... Five weeks without the attention of my followers? Oof. Without all them compliments that keep me going? I don't know. Some of y'all, y'all don't even know. Y'all don't know. I get DMs from random people where I feel lower than low. And those DMs save me. Like, there are days I just don't feel like I deserve to live because of some of the shit I've done. And there will be somebody who says, I just want to let you know, six months ago, you talked me out of killing myself and talked me into the hospital and I just want to thank you. What do you say to that? You know what I mean? Like, thanks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you say to that? I've had people say like, yo, I helped my mom get clean because of the stuff you told me. Thank you. Um, things with me and my ex are a lot better because you showed me how to let go. And I just, I just want to let you know I'm grateful. And then there's this other really positive thought that happens in my head. Like, John, could you imagine if you actually took your life and you weren't there to help them? 
Like that is the most community-based thought that goes through my head. Could you imagine if certain people weren't here to help you? What would you have done without other people showing you how to get through this? I mean, from musicians to poets to, to, to script writers, anything I've ever heard or seen that has made me think, huh, I never looked at it that way. Every one of those people had saved my life. Saved my life. And you know, there's a part of me, and I know a lot of you are going to disagree with this, but there is a part of me that thinks the universe allowed Will Smith to slap the ever-loving shit out of Chris Rock so he could learn something about his own massage noir. This might be the one thing that turns his ass around. Because if he makes fun of one more black woman, I swear to God, I swear to God. I mean, like, it's bad enough Dave Chappelle was talking about trans women ain't women. I'm like, look, shut the fuck up. Like, I... I never liked you that much anyway, so go on and sit on the back burner. But, um, Will, I just, I forgive you, brother. I forgive you, brother. I got nothing but love for you. I admire you. Every risk you've taken, you know, every moment of vulnerability that, that you allowed yourself to feel in front of the public, in front of the mass media. I just think you are a genuinely golden individual, and I, I love the way you heal. And y'all, we got to remember that healing is not linear. Sometimes we're going to fall back. Sometimes we're going to do some old shit. Sometimes we're going to take the X that we know we ain't got no business being with and believe their bullshit all over again. Sometimes we're going to allow our children to do fuck shit before we finally snap and start giving them some consequences and being like, yo, nah, we ain't doing that shit no more. Sometimes we let our in-laws or our parents talk to us in the old kind of way and we let them push our buttons. Why? Because they installed them. And we don't yet know how to let that shit go. And then there's a point where we think, yo, I'm tired of feeling worse than everybody around me because I'm taking all their shit on. And you start letting go of people. You start moving people out of your life. Every once in a while, you might let one back in. Because for me, let me tell you, it is easier for me to sit in a room full of junkies and talk about street life than it is for me to sit in a room full of academics and talk about intersectionality. Because the intersectionality shit is learned out of a book. The street life I've lived, I'm very comfortable. I could sit in a room full of junkies just talking about life and relationships and whatever because I understand the rules. I understand how people work out here. I understand toxicity. I understand trauma. But in a world where trauma is being healed and people are working on their toxicity and they're concerned about their image because the cameras are on, Man, I think I would fail miserably. I'm still waiting to say some fuck shit on TikTok and get canceled. Like, I, I know it's going to happen someday. And, and, and it scares me. <laughs> like, maybe it's not going to happen someday. But I do fear. Like, that's something, that's some shit that will keep me up for an extra hour before I go to sleep. Like, wow, I've been on TikTok two years and haven't fucked this up. Well, you know, according to the rules of nature, it's only a matter of time before I fuck this up. I wonder when I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I, I, I know this is some sort of a rant, but I just wanted to say healing is not easy. And after Tuesday, y'all ain't going to hear from me for five weeks. So I'm going to try and make as many uh, podcasts as I can between the next 48 hours um, so to, just to keep y'all busy. Um, so be prepared for that. Um, remember to love yourselves. Remember to start your day with I love me. And if you fall short, Somewhere throughout your day, remember, this shit is not linear. And you can start your day over at any time. 
Forgive yourself. Be genuine. And do the next right thing. Talk to y'all later.